One year after leaving WWE, John Moxley is named the best in the world by PWI on their PWI 500 list. Did anyone have a better year? We talk about it next on Squared Circle Psycho Babble. Ralph, we talk about this PWI 500 list that shows us the best in the world of professional wrestling. John Moxley tops that list. Does anybody have a better year than John Moxley, in your opinion? Well, I think that initially when this list came out and it was announced that John Moxley was number one, I wasn't necessarily surprised. Uh, off the top of my head, I think there's really three guys that could be involved in that that conversation. One, obviously, being John Moxley. Two, I would definitely include Chris Jericho because of his title reign in AEW and what that title reign had meant for establishing not only the championship, but cementing AEW as a legitimate contender to WWE. Uh, but the person that I think is is capable of giving uh, Moxley the biggest run for his money when it comes to best wrestler in the world or being number one on this, this list would be Adam Cole. I know that there's quite a bit of talk about this on social media. Uh, it probably has a lot to do and probably more so to do with the fact that some people really like NXT and WWE and maybe not so much AEW. And then you're going to get some AEW loyalists who want to see Moxley be number one on this list and maybe don't want to see as many individuals from WWE on this list as well. That is going to be a real thing, unfortunately. Um, at the end of the day, I think I can see and make an argument for both of these guys. In my honest opinion, I am surprised that Adam Cole did not win this, though. Right. I mean, you could definitely make the argument for both, and there was a criteria that PWI did post on Twitter, and here is the criteria that they put in. Uh, they took win-loss record into consideration, technical ability, influence of the sport, success against the highest grade of competition, success against the most diverse competition, and activity. So quite a lot of criteria in there, and both these guys did that. They had great win-loss records, great technical ability. You can look at some of their great matches throughout the past year. Influence of the sport, I think both have done that. Success is definitely there, and they were both very active in the year. And that year is between July 1st, 2019 and June 30th, 2020. Now, for me, I definitely think it should have been Moxley. Now, you look at win-loss record. The guy's never been pinned or submitted in AEW. Technical ability. He's had some great matches. I know a lot of people question his wrestling ability, but he did have some great matches with the likes of Pac, with Kenny Omega, Darby Allin. Brody Lee, even in New Japan Pro Wrestling, having great matches with Juice Robinson, Tomoho Ishii, and Tetsuya Naito. You know, th th it's there. Success at the highest grade of competition. He's won a major championship and two separate promotions, the AEW Championship and the IWGP US Championship. Activity? I mean, the guy's been in two separate promotions, so there's activity there. Yes, the pandemic has limited his, his time in New Japan Pro Wrestling, but when he's there... He does highly successful. So I could see why people believe John Moxley is number one on this, on this list. Yeah. Uh, he certainly has a very impressive resume throughout the year. Uh, and then when you compare his to Adam Cole's, obviously there's going to be a, something, a few things that you can point to that would probably indicate that Adam Cole could be number one on this list. Um, but being number two to Moxley really isn't, Shouldn't be considered a snub. I mean, at the end of the day, I guess it's really just bragging rights for either one of them. When you take into consideration all of Adam Cole's uh, accomplishments over the course of the year, I think that you obviously have to point to first his title reign, right? Mm -hmm. So his record, his record title reign for the NXT Championship really cementing that as one of the more prestigious titles. 
uh, I believe it was 403 days exactly from mm-hmm. what I from what I understand. So that that in itself is impressive to me. Technical ability, Moxley. He had, I think, a more of his technical matches, I guess you could say, in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He had some technical matches in AEW, but um, my, it's not a bad thing, but Adam Cole and John Moxley are two different, two different wrestlers entirely. Like, their True. approach to matches are, are going to be very different. I mean, yep. it, it's, it's not a negative thing to say that Moxley is more of a brawler because Stone Cold Steve Austin was very much a similar approach or you know, he, he wasn't the most technical when he was Stone Cold Steve Austin. Obviously, he was more technical earlier in his career, but it's kind of like comparing, I guess, Bret Hart and Steve Austin. They're both great, not saying anything negative about Steve Austin and, or, or um, Bret Hart, and I'm certainly not saying anything negative about Moxley. It's just his style is much more physical, gritty. You're going to go outside the ring. There's probably going to be weapons involved. There's probably going to be blood and that's fine. That's just how he wrestles, and that's what he gets into, and people like that about him. As far as Adam Cole is concerned, I mean, to me, there's just no question he is the more technical wrestler because that's the type of style that he works. Um, he's very good in the ring. Very few of his matches ever disappoint, and that's evident in a lot of the matches. You could see how technical he truly was in his matches against Champa, in his matches against Gargano, Pete Dunne, Finn Balor. I mean, it's an endless list. Daniel Bryan. So, um, he, he obviously is a ring general, if you want to call it that he's, he's very good, very confident in his abilities as far as the in-ring ability. So technical wise to me, uh, it, it, it's hands down to me, Adam Cole, uh, influence on the sport. So this to me is hard to judge because I think they're both very big. I think the immediate thing people are going to point out about Adam Cole is that WWE is their, de- uh, I'm sorry, NXT is their deve- developmental. Now, AEW only has their one big show. They have AW Dark, where I guess that's where lesser-known individuals go and wrestle to get some more experience, but it's not like developmental. What AEW True. does have is they have a handful of top guys. They've got a pretty solid mid, mid-card, mid mid-to-upper-card with like your Ricky Starks, Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, guys like that that literally came off the independent scene not too long ago. And then you have guys that could probably work the indie scene and are on AEW just because they're contracted to AEW. And Moxley had quite a few matches against those individuals. Joey Janela, um, 10, Jeff Cobb. I mean, he is a bigger name guy who's worked in New Japan Pro Wrestling, but in the States, he's mostly known for his work, I guess what you would say on the independent scene. And Ring um, of Honor. Yeah, Ring of Honor. And, and that's the thing, like, what do you consider independent and what do you consider, like, mainstream? It's It's... If you have a know. if you have a TV deal with a major network, I would say that is a major promotion. So, yes, I, I would count Impact, although Access TV doesn't reach as nearly as many homes as USA Network or TNT. Ring of Honor, even though their networks are regional, they do have you know they're owned by a broadcasting company. NXT, WWE, AEW, obviously. MLW to an extent, because they do have a TV deal with BN Sports. So, and now we got news that OVW got a TV deal as well. So they're going to be on a network called Eleven Sports, which is actually a network that I work for with the company that I work with. So I might be able to work OVW tapings, but that's separate from the conversation that we're having in hand. But that's how I would consider, you know, major promotions, ones that actually have TV deals in place. So. I think Ring of Honor is in that echelon. 
And, and where I'm going with this, because I think these two influence on the sport and success against the highest grade of competition, they kind of blend together. So influence on the sport. I mean, Adam Cole, obviously very over. You weren't going to find a more over guy as far as, you know, just interaction with the fans when fans were actually allowed to go to shows and stuff like that. He was the most over guy, one of the most over guys in the industry. Moxley is obviously very influential with the AEW fan base, one of their biggest draws. And obviously able to go over to AEW, recreate himself, and separate himself from the whole Dean Ambrose Shield guy that he was in the WWE. That this guy that we're seeing now is very different from now, who he was in the let me WWE. Ask, let me ask you this: If Moxley doesn't jump ship from WWE to AEW, yes, we have Jericho, but does Moxley joining there really boost the? prestige and the notoriety and the popularity of AEW more than just Jericho showing up at the sign at the first announcement. Absolutely. I I mean, whenever you can get a former WWE heavyweight champion under contract and bring him over, that's good for AEW and any other promotion that's trying to work their way up and be a top contender to to compete against the WWE because, you know, make no mistake about it. I know people say they're not competing They're not going against each other. But at the end of the day, they're competing for the same fan base, essentially. Mm -hmm. There's only so many wrestling fans in the world. And some of them, you know, some people will watch both. But I think there's a lot of people that are going to be extremely loyal to the WWE. And there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be extremely loyal to AEW. That's just how it's really trended. Um, I think that Moxley and Adam Cole both play a significant role in their respective companies. So mm-hmm. John Moxley, he's an intricate part to AEW. I mean, you look at what he's doing right now with his stuff with MJF being the, being the champion there, you have a solidified guy, a guy who's already proven quite a bit at the top of the company. And you look at everything Adam Cole has been able to do for NXT. Yeah. Not only that, but he's in the faction that many people would probably consider the top faction in wrestling of the, throughout the United States. I would at least say yeah. you've got the inner circle, but the Undisputed Era, even though it's developmental for WWE, a lot of people would say that the people that are in NXT can probably work just as good as a lot of the people in AEW. At least I would definitely say that. So as far as influence on the industry, you've got Moxley, who is doing quite a lot for AEW, but you also got Adam Cole, the head of Undisputed Era, and he's been able to do quite a bit there as well. Right. Um, now, now, as far as success against the highest grade of competition. Now, I don't know how Adam Cole could really compete with Moxley in that regard of the criteria, because when you look at the people that Moxley's beaten from July 1st, 2019 to June 30th, 2019, which is the, the time range that PWI is using here. He beat Jericho. He beat Kenny Omega. He beat, he had a time limit draw with Pac. He beat Tomoho Ishii, Tetsuya Naito, Lance Archer. There's a lot of good competition there. Who does Adam Cole have as a a top-level win in this time frame? So here's, here's, here's what I'm getting at when I say that, you know, AEW has quite a few guys that should be performing at the independence level, but they're under contract because Moxley holds wins over some of those guys. He and does. just because AEW is smaller than the WWE and they don't have developmental doesn't mean that just because they're on national TV, they're automatically better than the competition on NXT. 
because he does hold wins over Finn Balors. He does hold wins over, over Johnny Gargano, who to me, if he was in any company, whether it's AEW, the main roster in WWE, uh, or NXT, I mean, the body of work that Johnny Gargano has speaks for itself. He's very good, and he's had some of the best matches in NXT, whether it's with Adam Cole or, or Tommaso Ciampa, any of those guys. He does hold a win over Tommaso Ciampa. So again, another guy. He can go work. If he was to go to AEW tomorrow, I have no doubt that he'd probably be a top guy in AEW. So just because guys are in AEW and because Moxley holds wins over certain guys doesn't necessarily mean, you know, this guy because he's on in WWE developmental is a step below. He's only those guys are only in developmental because WWE is so big and has so many guys under contract, but they can perform at such a high level. When you look at takeover, when you look at the matches that most of the people, uh, most of the guys that that most of the guys that Cole has faced, look at the matches that they've had. There's some of the better matches that you're going to see. Technical, uh, great drama, great storytelling, and that's mostly because they can all work at a very high level. So just because somebody's in WWE developmental and NXT doesn't necessarily mean they can't work at that level. So we know that we know that Adam Cole has been able to go to the main roster. He's had matches against guys like Seth Rollins, albeit didn't necessarily have uh, a finish to the match because the Undisputed Era got involved. Daniel Bryan, he did have a match against him, and Adam Cole did beat Daniel Bryan in what was a very good match. He also had a good match against Pete Dunne at Survivor Series, I believe it was. Yes, it was. um, Which was probably one of the better matches of the night, if not the best match of the night. So Adam Cole has literally been kind of like the Iron Man of the year. And Moxley, to me, is the only one that can kind of contend with that. So, again, it's kind of a toss-up. I think Adam Cole should certainly get it because of his title reign and because of everything he's been able to accomplish during that title reign as well. Right. Now, I'll admit, it's kind of hard to say that someone had a better year than someone who was literally the champion the entire time frame of this list. So Adam Cole won the championship before the time range started and he dropped the title after like a few days after the time range ended. So obviously there's, there's something there and Moxley's title reign. I'll admit there's some people out there that say that because of the pandemic, it hasn't really done as well as people had hoped because the fans weren't there. And it probably would be a better run if the fans were there. Whereas Adam Cole's run, despite the lack of fans has still done pretty well. You would agree with that, I would think, right? Yeah, and I'd I'd agree with that. And I think a big part of the reason for that is because of their conflicting styles. John Moxley is a guy, you know what you're going to get out of his type of matches. It's Mm -hmm. not necessarily going to be technical. It's going to be a little more hardcore, in your face, gritty, and that's fine. But that's only going to cater to a certain uh, subset of the fan base. So if you're somebody who wants to see professional wrestling for like a pure wrestling match, technical ability, uh, drama, storytelling, you're probably going to prefer an Adam Cole match. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean Moxley is a bad wrestler. It's just, if you're not into that stuff, it's not going to be uh, viewed as, as, as enjoyable for the person who wants to see pure wrestling. So I think that's why you get such a conflicting view on somebody like John Moxley. Right. Now, I will close with this. I'll give you the top 10 of the PWI 500 this year. So at number 10, AJ Styles. Number nine, Kofi Kingston. Eight is Seth Rollins. Seven is Cody. Six is Kazuchika Okada. Five is Tetsuya Naito. Four, Drew McIntyre. Three, Chris Jericho. And we know two is Adam Cole. One is Moxley. 
Yep. Is there anybody in that top 10 other than Adam Cole that you think you can make an argument with going over either Cole or Moxley? Well, I already said, I think Chris Jericho could have been considered because of his title run, because of creating the inner circle and how important he was to the success and launch of AEW. Yep. Um, you could probably include Orange Cassidy in that group. Who was number 84, by the way, on the list. He was 84. Oh. So, yeah, a lot of wrestlers going below <laughs> Orange Cassidy, Ralph. I, I mean, I think, I think that in all seriousness, I think that Drew McIntyre gets a tough shake and a tough break because of the pandemic. I mean, I think that his title run, unfortunately, it, it has, not, I don't want to say an asterisk on it, but it, it, it stinks that there is this pandemic going on because we, we saw how the fans reacted when he won at Royal Rumble and we didn't necessarily get to see how they were going to react when he beat Brock Lesnar for the title at WrestleMania. So even right. though he's the champion, he didn't necessarily get that crowning moment. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big part of this too. So maybe, maybe he would have been rated a little bit higher. I think that Cody certainly could have been in the conversation because he was again, one of the most over guys, especially when fans were allowed to be going into arenas. Right. And you know, those, those would be the guys that I think maybe you can make a case for, but in my opinion, Moxley Jericho, and Cole to me are, are definitely the top three that would even be in consideration for that number one spot. I, I agree. I mean, Moxley, Cole, I think are one and two. I think Jericho is a good spot for number three and, and Drew McIntyre is good for number four. And you really couldn't have their own arguments on being higher or lower between those four. Right. I'm a little surprised that Okada. Now I love Kazuchika Okada, but I'm a little surprised he actually got as high as number six. Because he, you know, he w- didn't really have much of a year this year. And, yeah, he was the IWGP heavyweight champion for a while. But, you know, I never really saw that title reign as as a big title reign. Naito, obviously, winning both belts at Wrestle Kingdom's huge. But I think Cody right. might have had a better year. And Seth Rollins at eight is kind of surprising to me. Now, yes, I get it. He won the Universal title at SummerSlam last year. but. I think there's guys that could have had better years than Seth Rollins. So I think I might've taken him out of the top 10 Kofi. That makes sense. Kofi mania, uh, AJ styles, just the workhorse at WWE for the last two or three years. That's obvious. Wasn't Kofi mania outside of the timeline though. WrestleMania was in what April. Well, the WrestleMania was, but about half of the, uh, half of the title reign, they right. go into the time frame because he dropped the title to Brock uh, in October okay. at first SmackDown. So a good chunk of his title run was during this time frame. Right. So I, I the mean, one thing that the one thing that you we just talked about before we even went on was it's surprising to see how low um, Kenny Omega was actually listed. And I think that kind of speaks volumes because I think people do debate how well he's been booked and how well he's been positioned in his time in AEW. He's at what, 23, you said? No, was 13. It or 13? He was 13. Okay. So 13, I mean, for a guy who was, I believe, number one three 2018. years ago? 2018, so, he was number one. So now he's down to 13. And he was actually lower than Brock Lesnar at number 12 and Keith Lee at number 11. Yeah, and, you know, Brock Lesnar, that's kind of like a – that's a tough one because match quality-wise – 
you know what you're going to get out of Brock unless he's right. facing a guy where they want him to have a good match. I mean, his match against Rey Mysterio and Dominic was okay. I'd have to go back and look at what other matches he's had. Um, well, the Rumble. The Rumble, yeah, the Rumble eliminated was very good this people. year. Rumble was very good this year, and Brock sells a shit ton and puts guys over awesomely. So he's he's good when he's on, but you know what you're going to get out of Brock. With Kenny Omega, it's just a shame that he's fallen this far. And I say this far because he's a guy that should be in that top five, I would say. I agree. I think he should definitely be there, especially now, considering he's on national TV, AEW's trying to be this promotion that's growing. And I think he, what he's doing with Hangman is great, but I think it also speaks volumes to how others perceive him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's in that position. He's at number 13. And really, he should be in the top five, in my opinion. And that goes back to the conversation we had about how much he's supposed to mean for AEW. It's kind of like signing the best free agent in the world, bringing him in and having him play as like a backup, in my opinion. He should be one of your top guys. And I get what they're trying to do. He wants to put young guys over, but does it mean more to put young guys over or establish yourself as one of the best in the world and then put guys over? In my opinion, he should be proving that he's one of the best in the world, which he is in my opinion, and then put the guys over. Right. Yeah. And we definitely had this conversation about how AEW is booking Kenny Omega. And you can watch that video right now by clicking the thumbnail on the screen. Don't forget to share this all over social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, SCPB Podcast. And for news, reviews, and conversations and all things pro wrestling, subscribe, hit that bell for notifications. And we'll talk to you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Psycho Babble.